Welcome to the Thanksgiving edition of Tigers SRD here on SportsRadioDetroit.com, which I think is, did we do a Thanksgiving show last year, Chris? I don't remember. I don't remember either. I don't know if it's a tradition or if it's just, just we maybe we took the week off that, that week just because we usually did it on Wednesday and Thursday, I think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we did take the week off so uh, for Thanksgiving. Uh, Ashley was going to join us, Ashley McClellan from Blast You Boys, but she'll be joining us next week. So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely get her intake. I wanted to talk to her about the Rays' 90-win uh, season because it kind of – we didn't really talk about the Rays a lot in, in some context, but I wanted to get in a deeper dive about that because just, just how impressive that was and kind of like one of the most sneakiest teams ever win 90 games. So, if in the grand scheme of things, the way they did it, it's impressive, and I kind of want to talk to her about that. And uh, we'll get some more of her thoughts about that. We'll Tonight we'll be analyzing the Paxson trades that you – the Yankees and how really that's kind of a bad deal for New York, and I'll give my uh, "quote unquote" hot take for that. Uh, we'll also it was also overwhelm, underwhelming for Seattle. Uh, we'll talk about who the Tigers left off the forty man, and Chris has got a, definitely a lot of thoughts about that. Uh, so um, we'll also look at some forty man rosters across the league, and yeah, that's really about it. It's gonna be a quick Thanksgiving, and uh, before we get into that, by the way, thank you for everybody subscribing to us on iTunes, uh, Spotify. There's two. Tigers SRDs on Spotify right now, but the latest one will have the latest episodes on there. Um, so the 40-man roster is the last one. So I, thank you for everybody who subscribed and left us reviews. We really appreciate that. Spotify, Stitcher, Stitcher. I said that right? Yes, I did say that right. And uh, wherever you find your local fine podcast. So that being said, let's go into the the, the meat of it all, too. And uh, Thanksgiving-wise, you and I both discussed that stuffing is our favorite food for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, you know, Thanksgiving is weird because it 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 feels like a traditional Thanksgiving meal just feels super white. <laughs> like, <laughs> like there's there's nothing whiter than turkey and mashed potatoes and like bread with butter in it. Um, but yeah, I, I've I don't know. I've always loved uh, stuffing, particularly. My dad is a weirdo. He likes uh, like oyster stuffing, like literal oysters in it, which what? makes me want to vomit. But I like like if you get like a spicy sausage and put that in with a regular like stovetop, I love it. It's fantastic. And I'm fortunate that uh, that you could probably relate to this. You know, my wife's family is Mexican, and uh, we there's almost always some really interesting good stuff at uh, Thanksgiving, whether it's like. Uh, chilaquilas or like one year we had turkey tamales like they were tamales with turkey and stuffing in them that were just outstanding and there's always mole and yeah it's good it's good stuff so i you know i i think uh a lot of people complain about turkey and i think that's because turkey sucks when it's done poorly and it's done poorly so often but when turkey's done right it's pretty damn tasty you know if you brine it well or deep fry it or whatever but uh yeah when in doubt, I'll just eat the bread, the stuffing. <laughs> I was on the uh, – I, I record the Bourbon and Bullshit podcast, so you can find on Tick Sound, by the way. So nice job by Paul and Mark last night. And they were – they asked me about my Thanksgiving and what my traditional Thanksgiving was. And uh, my mom used to make a Cuban pork, and we had turkey on top of it. So we had the Cuban pork, the turkey, then black beans and rice, or uh, arroz con frijoles. Uh, we had yuca. And we usually had a stuffing. Like, so you're talking about sausage stuffing. My mom made one one year with um, it was a it was a version of it was chorizo. But the way she did it, I don't know how she did the chorizo, but it was really really good. 
and she never made it again. I don't know, remember why. And I, I was every year we asked her for it, and she was like, "Oh no, next year." And uh, but then there was a my sister makes a really good corn be, a corn bean um, cornbread casserole, excuse me, and it's really really good too. And um, this year I, I'm not going to my family's. We're going we're uh, doing stuff with the wife this year. So uh, oh, hello. Oh, can you hear me? Hey, sorry. Yeah, I, I lost you there for like uh, I don't know. 30 seconds so i don't know okay i don't know if you were just talking and, and... oh yeah I, I was i was talking uh, oh, I was... Good. sorry to interrupt then oh no that's okay i was talking about the uh let's talk about corn i had one year uh chorizo with uh stuffing once it was only once mm-hmm. uh but my sister usually um, i was telling I, yeah i don't know if you heard the cube like my mom made a cuban pork because i was yeah, uh, I, you heard that part? i said okay. that sounds delicious oh. and then uh then you went away oh so okay I, I don't know what happened but uh, this year, this year we're doing uh we're doing uh Sarah's grandma. We're doing her. We're going to her house, and we're doing one Thanksgiving. Uh, we're not going to my brother's. I changed locations, and Sarah's got to work. So, but either way, um, we really, really like Thanksgiving's the time of year where we kind of go all out. And my mom would make like there was a year or two where she was like, you know what, let's add shrimp. Fuck it, okay. So my mom made <laughs> my mom made like a sautéed shrimp, like a, a Creole shrimp, like a Cuban style shrimp. And sautéed it for a good three or four days, and then made it with the Cuban pork. It was phenomenal, and uh, so I, you know, <laughs> you talk about being the, the the you know quote unquote white thing. It's, it cracks me up because uh, traditional like Americana foods like meatloaf and um, open face sandwiches, stuff like that. I didn't have it to my twenties because usually in my teenage years, I usually ate pretty much the same four things, which is rice with some sort of bean. Uh, my mom makes Swedish meatballs for some strange reason too, but that's not Thanksgiving. She just made it every once in a while. And then her spaghetti was a more drier spaghetti. And I've never found a spaghetti that's just as good as hers. So nice. yeah, now I'm starving. So, uh, <laughs> no, but, uh, again, thanks for Paul and Mark for having me on yesterday or l- allow me to talk about that a little bit. But, uh, let's talk about, you know, the Arizona fall league came to an end, uh, on Saturday with, uh, Peoria beating salt river, uh, I ended up watching a little bit of that game. Uh, I was watching more of the college football, the Ohio. I was watching the Ohio State Maryland game. Did you watch any of that game, by the way, Chris? I did. I watched the. Uh, I was. It was down at Perry's house, actually. Oh, nice. Uh, Perry invited me out for uh, for a day. Uh, he made some pretty delicious food and uh, day of board games and watching football. Oh, that... So we were watching the end of that game. There was lots of swearing to be had. Yeah. Um, I was. I was impressed by how much he sweared in front of his his father um <laughs> how much he swore in front of his father i guess um yeah so yeah i saw that game so i i was like hey you guys know that the arizona fall league uh championship game was on and that wasn't getting a whole lot of traction there so i missed that but i did see that uh Peoria won on a walk-off i believe yeah the walk-off in the 10th and uh for the tigers wise the really i mean there's some there's some highlights you know daz cameron went 5 14 uh during that final week and I think he finished, I think it was like in the top 10 in runs scored, something like that. Uh, Danny Woodrow continued to have, and he, I mean, he finished second overall in batting average. So mm-hmm. Danny, the Danny Woodrow experience continues. But uh, you look at uh, another positive, too, and this was the uh, one that really stood out was uh, Jim Inez. And we talk, I know we talked about this in the last podcast with Mark and Brandon a little bit about his, his secondary pitches and what have you. But he finished second lowest in the ERA. And he had the lowest whip, and I mean Gregory Soto had a strong one too, but uh, Baez and 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 Schreiber struggled, and so it, it 
there's a lot of tall, there's a lot of mixed signals there, Chris. And, and I know that with the, the this off season being that we're we're, I mean, we're going to be scrapping the barrel with Tiger stuff, but on a positive note, though, I mean, the one thing that stood out to me above all too is the slugging percentage as Cameron too with a, a four sixty eight slugging percentage and Woodrow's stolen bases too. Those are two highlights for me. But Jimenez making the jump from I mean he was in high A all year long, so. It looks like he's going to be slot. You think he's going to be slot as a closer in Erie next year? Uh, yeah, I think that sounds about right. I think, um, well, it's kind of we've seen this before. Zach Houston uh, was in the AFL last year and dominated uh, in a similar fashion. I mean, I, I shouldn't say dominated uh, for Jimenez. Like he, he didn't give up a lot of runs or hits, but you know he wasn't like he's striking out like twelve guys per nine or anything like that. But he, yeah, he he didn't get hit around, which is is kind of tough to do in Arizona because it's generally considered a hitter's league. Um, so I would think he's been a closer. He was the closer in Lakeland this year, and, and he seems like the the prime candidate to do so in Erie next year. And I was I was also encouraged by Gregory Soto. Uh, you know, he, he served as a starter out there. I think he led the league in innings. Um, and he, uh, you know, I still don't. We, we've talked for a long time. He's probably not a starter long term, but he. This was basically a step up in competition for him. You know, we, we consider the AFL kind of like the equivalent of Double A, and he spent all year in High A, and he went out to, to the AFL after a long season. He threw another thirty innings, and his uh, his walk rate was a little high, but he didn't get hit very much at all, uh, and he was striking some guys out. So it's you extrapolate that maybe take up the strikeouts a little bit if he's out of the bullpen, and. Uh, I think you know that was sort of what I, I'm sure the Tigers wanted to see out of him. Uh, and, and you know, to ask Cameron, like you mentioned, he went out there and did his job. He got on base. He he got caught stealing a hell of a lot, but I wouldn't get too concerned about that. I think they probably was just going whenever, whenever he wanted to. Um, he hit for a little bit of power. I think we'd like to see more power out of him down the road. But I've been kind of making the comparison between Daz Cameron and Austin Jackson a little bit, uh, as maybe. A, sort of this well-rounded guy who's, uh, whose tools might actually play a little bit better in the major leagues, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah. like when Austin Jackson was coming up, nobody ever talked about him being like a, a borderline elite defender. They always talked about him being above average defender. And I wonder, you, you see above average to possibly plus with Cameron, and I wonder if it might play up a little bit in the, uh, in the majors, although he's probably not quite the athlete that Austin Jackson was. But we'll see. So I, you know, some some encouraging signs out there. Um, Woodrow, I still don't know what to make of Woodrow. I mean, he's, like you said, he hit three seventy and was second in the league in stolen bases. But I guess the stolen bases helped make up for the fact that he only had one extra base hit. But I, I still, you know, without any real power, I don't know what kind of role he'll have down the line unless he just, you know, turns into an Ichiro guy who hits three ninety in the majors. But I don't see that happening. So. Yeah, it was. I think it was overall was pretty good. Sandy Baez had a horrible AFL and a horrible season. Jake Rogers did not hit particularly well. Although I don't, I, I don't know how much you can glean from like 50 at bats in Arizona at the end of a long season, especially from a catcher. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we would still worry about his his hitting ability. And then John Schreiber. And kind of stick with what I've been saying all along is is guys like that. I have no idea how to evaluate them until I actually see them against major league hitters. 
as you don't know, you know, he was great in low A ball and jumped up two levels and, and was pretty good in double A toward the, until like the end of the year when he seemed to, to get hit around a little bit. But yeah, he didn't have a great time in the AFL. And maybe that's, maybe that's cause his Frisbee slider wasn't breaking as much in the, in the dry air. I don't know, but uh, yeah, he, he's a guy that I guess he's a name to know, but I, I don't know if he's a prospect still. So. Yeah, there was something that uh, Mark and, and uh, Paul were talking about yesterday and, and, and made me think a little bit about, uh, in, in terms of Jake Rogers, too, with the maybe perhaps offenses and eerie, could be the case where it's still in his head. But with Schreiber, I mean, I, I will admit that I thought that Schreiber was going to be somebody that the Tigers should have taken a look at and called up in the middle of the season based off his numbers and, and the side armor phenomenon the Tigers suddenly signed up for out of nowhere after 25, 30 years of never having a side armor. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, they're like... You got a dozen of them. Yeah, they're four, like, oh... Four of them in a row in area, like <laughs> Kurt Bomer and... Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, this is, a, this is a great idea. It's like, well, you know, shit. There's teams that did it 30 years ago. But at any rate, um, maybe it was just uh, Avila's suppress, suppression to always get one and he couldn't get one and now he Ooh. could. I don't, I don't know. But either way... Uh, the one thing I did notice too, and there was a, there was a name that came up that, uh, that we saw the Tiger sign earlier in the in the early on in November. That was from uh, he wasn't with he was with the Diamondbacks, and he hasn't pitched since twenty I think twenty fourteen twenty fifteen. That was a uh, Jose Cisnero, who is down yeah. at the Dominican Winter League. And before we move on to the Paxson trade, uh. I saw that I was looking at a single run, two hits, and a walk, and over three one-third innings while striking out three. So that's something – I mean, I'm not sure what the Tigers are going to – if they're built on in the Dominican Winter League, the, was it, was it, which is the what the equivalency of, like, high A, double A, right? Yeah, yeah, that was the one – you know, I kind of struggle with with what that league, the the competition level is because you've got guys from, like, from like rookie ball all the way up to major league vets playing um, – yeah, with Cisnero or whatever his name is, uh, you probably know. Uh, it looks like they have him closing games for that team, which uh, you know doesn't necessarily tell us anything about him. But you know, I can imagine maybe he's got a bit of an arm, or maybe he's just uh, you know got uh, was it Edward Mojica, like, yeah, uh, where he was closing games, throwing eighty nine miles an hour. But um, yeah, you know, every year there are a couple of these guys they add uh, from. I think they see him down in the Dominican, or they get good reports or whatever. And, and so, who knows? Maybe one they'll hit on that. But I, I suspect he might just be kind of, uh, you know, the uh, closer at Toledo. Yeah, I mean, he might close, or he might be a middle reliever, move around. I, I don't know. But uh, yeah, the rest of the you know the uh, winter, fall, winter leagues are. There's not a, a ton going on. Willie Castro and Dabo Lugo and Sergio Alcantara are down in the Dominican hitting, uh, theoretically. None of them are hitting particularly well. Castro is doing sort of what he did uh, for the when he came over the Tigers. He's hitting for a surprising amount of extra base power. Uh, but when he was, you know, when he was with Erie, he was also hitting for average, and that's not the case really down in the Dominican. He's striking out a lot. Uh, Isaac Paredes is playing down in Mexico, and it's not. He's struggling in a, in a way that's kind of unexpected for a guy I consider to be the like you know the best pure hitter in the system. Uh, but again, I, it's like fifty at bats. I don't want to make too much of it. And I guess I should should fall back and say you know if I'm to say that about Jake Rogers, I should probably say that about John Schreiber too. He threw like seven innings, or whatever. So you don't want to make too much of small sample size. But 
Um, what else? The, the Australian League just started. Uh, as of right now, I, they're, they're, I think Pete Cosma is down there. <laughs> I was going to ask about Cosma. that. Yeah, like that's – I mean, keep your uh, skill sharp, sharp, I guess. But, I mean, hey, man, I mean yeah, – Get a chance to go to Australia. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, the, the cool thing about the Australian League is they only play – I think they play on the weekends. So then you've got like all week to, you know, Party. explore Perth or wherever the hell he is. Yeah, the, he's playing for the uh, Perth Heat. The Perth Heat. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and it probably is quite hot down there right now. But uh, yeah, I think it's a summer season right now, isn't it? I yeah, I mean, it's eat. it's technically, I think it's we're heading. It's like the equivalent of their May. Yeah. Right now, um, yeah, and then uh, Victor Reyes and Harold Castro are in the Venezuela right now, and Victor Reyes is doing sort of what he did here. He's actually, I think, hitting the ball a little bit better than he hit here. But it's not much extra base power. He's not walking, not stealing much. So, you know, it's not a not a terribly exciting crop of winter league players right now. Now that the AFL's over. Yeah, and uh, speaking of uh, crop of players, let's let's actually before we get to the packs and trade, let's go in the Rule Five stuff. And so, the Tigers only selected Perez to be in the uh, to join the forty man roster. And 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 Paul and Mark were talking about this yesterday about Derek Derek Hill not coming back. Anti Castro. Or Grayson Long were not protected. Not to say those guys couldn't come back, but uh, in terms of like, there's the the the, the last or the, the list. We'll get to top five eligible players. We'll get to that. But for the Tigers, Chris, I, I know you had some thoughts about Castro, but uh, the thing that I I don't understand about uh, even like Grayson Long, who was he wasn't really healthy. So the tig- did I mean the Tigers really give him a kind of a fair shake to see what they what he was all about? Well, I mean. A lot of this is you're just kind of gambling a little bit that that other teams aren't going to go after these guys, or even if they do, they won't be able to justify keeping them on the roster all season. And with Grayson Long, um, he was a guy who was actually pretty close to the majors, but then he, he got hurt before the season. I think he had the thoracic outlet surgery. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Tigers – we're basically just banking on that the, no other team is going to take a flyer on a guy like that, not knowing how healthy he is or, you know, if he's going to be good at all. Uh, you know, I had some thoughts early. Like, I kept thinking, like, it's, it's highly unlikely that Derek Hill gets taken because he has proven that he can't hit very well and he's been injury prone. But at the same time, I, I keep thinking, like, he's a guy with – like a no shit plus glove, if not better, and seventy grade speed. And I keep thinking like a just a garbage team, like the Orioles, or and maybe even like a good team. You could just take a guy like that and use him as your pinch runner, uh, defensive replacement, and and get him only like you can get him like forty to fifty at bats during the entire season, uh, and just use his actual two good skills. But I'm probably vastly underestimating the the number of players in the minor leagues who have that particular skill set, that speed and glove. Uh, so maybe Derek Hill isn't particularly uh, unique in that regard. So I, I don't think he'll get taken. Uh, Elvin Rodriguez is, you know, we, uh, we saw him down at West Michigan. He's an interesting arm, but he was only in West Michigan. And it would be highly unlikely, I think, that any team would take a guy who hasn't pitched above low A and throw him in the uh, the majors. 
Now, I think San Diego did that a couple years ago with a couple of players. I don't know if they were pitchers, but, uh, you know, a, a team rebuilding might take a chance on somebody like that. It seems unlikely to me, though. And who else? So you got, like, some of the, the, the older veteran guys like Cam Gibson. I think I think if this were, if this were a couple of years ago and this Tiger system were not uh, as deep as it is now, Cam Gibson probably would have been added because he's a Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know his numbers are fine I, I don't think he's going to hit but uh, and then like, I've seen people mention Paul Volcker which I don't really see he's, a, he's tiny and his fastball has no vertical plane to it so he just leaves it up and it gets hit but I say that and he'll probably make the team out of spring training so yeah I, I guess the, the one name that I was kind of shocked didn't get protected uh, maybe I'm missing people but uh, it was Anthony Castro, who, you know, Tykestown, we've had him ranked inside our top 20 for years now. I think he might be in the top 15 last year. Um, we, we've all, all sort of come to the conclusion that he's probably more likely a reliever than a starter. But even still, you're talking about a guy who, who's who got a fastball in the low to mid-90s and a curveball that you know flashes plus regularly. And he's got some pretty nasty movement on his fastball, natural cut. He's been... Working on that third pitch, uh, he's the sort of guy I think you can take a flyer on and stash in your bullpen if you want. Now he got bombed in like a three-game stint in Double A that wasn't great, but I mean, it was the sort of thing that was so bad you, you have to believe it was just kind of nerves or something. Like you don't go from pitching very well in Low A or High A to just getting demolished in Double A. Like I mean, I suppose it happens to a lot of people. It is to step up in, in, in competition, but it seemed a little bit too, too brutal. So I don't know, but I, I think it's another case where the tigers are, are gambling. I'm sure they like Castro. They just resigned him to a minor league deal that uh, I think they're gambling that, that a team, if a team takes them, that they will determine that they can't keep them. Uh, and, and sort of as a, an aside to that every year we see cases where a, a, a team selects a player in the rule five draft and they decide they can't keep them, but they decide that they also like them. And so they go back to the original team and try to work out a trade. And I can see the tigers trying to sort of make that happen. If that makes any sense, like their strength as an organization is basically their, their arms right now, the, the pitching and the relief pitching. And maybe having a guy like this get taken and then the team says, hey, we like him, but I don't think we can make the roster. You want to make a trade? The Tigers could go, okay, yeah, and, and try to get a player of similar talent at a position that's more uh, more of a need for them, like a fielder or a corner outfielder or something like that. So I, I wonder if they're trying to do that or uh, or maybe they're just uh, their internal evaluation of Castro is, is lower than ours and they don't think anybody will take him. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, especially with Castro, you've seen the the progress he made in late, and you talked about the, we talked about this all year in terms of what he was doing at Lakeland and was able to do at a, uh, at a very efficient levels. But I, I, you know, I don't know, Chris. It, it just seems like to me that I, I think there's going to be somebody who's going to snatch him. You know, there's going to be somebody that's going to snatch him and, and and possibly, or the, maybe they'll they don't think anybody's going to be out there to get him. And but I can see him. See something like Baltimore or like a, I don't know. Maybe Baltimore's 
got a new GM, so maybe it'll be a little it'll be a little different. But uh, um, what uh, they're trying to think of a team that could stash them away and get away with it, and somebody like somebody along the lines of uh, maybe even I don't know maybe. <laughs> A smart team would figure out a way to keep him, and I, I don't know if the Tigers are going to be able to do that at the moment. But well, yeah, we do have to. So the Tigers have thirty-nine people on their forty-man roster now, and they don't appear to have a short. Well, they don't have a shortstop. <laughs> they have a couple on the forty-man roster, but I don't think they're going to go into the season with Willie Castro, or Sergio Alcantara as their shortstop. So they have to sign at least one person. Now we also think that they'll probably cut a few players non-tender we've been speculating for a while that they're gonna non-tender James McCann possibly Alex Wilson maybe Zach Reiniger guys like that but uh I don't know I will say this Chris I um I was looking at some of the some of the people who were left non-protected and you know there's some there's some names that pop out or some names that I find interesting in terms of uh, I was looking at the respective systems uh Names that really could potentially be, you know, like for example, the, at one point looked at Christian Santana, who the Dodgers left unprotected. It's a shortstop, twenty-one years old, and look at some of big his time number, power. Yeah, big time power. Too much. Doesn't yeah, walk. that was just gonna say, but that also fits the Tiger profile a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and but a guy who I think the Tigers could, I could easily see trying to uh, put in their bullpen, or even as a starter, maybe spot start and see what he can do is a guy like someone like uh, Jonathan Diaz, who is uh, the Red Sox left unprotected. He's 23 years old. He's out of Venezuela and his numbers, his strikeout numbers are not overpowering, but I can see the Tigers taking somebody like that for organization, organization depth, perhaps. Um, yeah. A lefty who, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, they've been searching for lefties for a long time. His, he, Pitch well, I think he's pretty low in the minors. Yeah, I think he's in high. He was in high A. So, yeah. um, another. Yeah, I mean that's the sort of guy that I think you would you would probably you take him and you put him in the bullpen, and it's this sort of move that the Tigers should make if they think he's got a chance to be a you know starter down the road. You put him in the bullpen, you bring bring him in to face you know bring him in to be your like specialist and let him get <laughs> bombed all year. And then you throw him back in Myers and see if you can grow him into a starter. That's that's an interesting name. Yeah, another and another name that comes from the Dodgers is Drew Jackson, who's uh, older. He's twenty five years old, and I mean the Tigers have a glutton of shortstops at the moment. However, be that as it may, you could possibly see the Tigers perhaps maybe doing something along the lines of just seeing what he could possibly do. Um, I was hoping uh, the Tiger or the A's were going to leave Sky Bolt, but unfortunately he was uh, picked up. But we're going to say though, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I, Drew Jackson, I think he's the younger brother of Brett Jackson, who was uh, a center fielder for the Cubs system a couple of years back. And Drew Jackson, I think he had, like, a, a real pop-up season for the Mariners a few years back, and I don't remember how he ended up was on a, the Dodgers. I think, I, think I think it was, like, a fifth-rounder or something like that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he, I think his strengths and weaknesses are basically the same as his brother's. He's, he's got, like, a lot of tools, but uh, – the hitting ability might not be there, but I mean, there's there's a little bit of like Jacoby Jones in that profile. As uh, I don't know if he's quite the athlete that Jacoby Jones is, but maybe maybe he's better. I don't know a ton about him, but that was a name that stuck out to me too. The, the one other name that stuck out to me was Riley Farrell, um, who was the closer 
for TCU a few years back. I guess it has to be four years back now. Uh, and he was, I remember he was a guy that people thought the Tigers might draft because that was during that period when they were, you know, trying to take these, uh, these established college closers and move them quickly through the system. Your Corey Knables and stuff, the chance rough and, um, yeah, and he's a guy, he got absolutely feral bombed in the PCL, which happens to a lot of pitchers, I think. But his numbers, other than that, were pretty good. And uh, I think generally that's what you're, you know, if you're going to take somebody in the Rule 5, you, the relievers are generally the safest bet because they don't have to play as much. But uh, and then again, do the Tigers really need to add another relief arm? I don't know. So. Yeah, I mean, or somebody like, you know, another name too that I think the Tigers could possibly pick up in the Rule 5, and I think it's interesting because he has – he has played at a high level above. He's been, he's played in Triple A. It's kind of been circling around a little bit too. Is Ian Miller, uh, center fielder for Seattle, who's been left on, um, who's a lefty bat. So he's a guy who last year in the specific in the the PCL, let's just say PCL, uh, batted two sixty one. Not a lot of power. Two home runs, forty one RBIs. Uh, I'm not trying to read in between this box door, but a, a guy who fits that kind of Tiger profile in terms of just uh, does he have, I mean, the ability to get on base uh, doesn't doesn't. I think he's a speedy guy, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he, center he, fielder, but yeah, he's um, only struck out. I mean, 478 at bats or 478 plate appearances, only struck out 89 times. That's not bad. That's not bad. Um, so does he draw a lot of walks? I mean, 43. So. That being said, that the only reason why I thought that I did see him play in the Arizona Fall League, and just a name that I wanted, I, I don't know for whatever reason, I'm like ah, I don't know, maybe let's we'll see what he's all about. How did he do in the AFL? Uh, two forty six. See, uh, I have it right here. He batted two forty six, and he had two home runs, eight RBI. So he was um ten, oh. or excuse me, he was uh fourteen for fifty seven. Hmm. So I don't. I, I mean, if the if the Tigers were out there extensively. This is a guy you can put in the outfield because if you if you look at the Tigers right now, if they're not going to pick up Jake Robinson and have a guy like this guy fits that kind of like fourth outfielder profile anyways, but mm-hmm. if you put him out there, see what he has and see how he does in spring training and go from there. Yeah, I mean it's doesn't cost you. I mean it costs you a little bit of money, but you take a guy in the Rule Five and doesn't work out, whatever. Um, yeah. and, and they pick fifth this year, so it may be that like. The guys that are interested are all gone. Or maybe they'll work out a trade or something like that with one of the teams above them. But actually, who's who's above them this year? The Royals, the, the Orioles, the Marlins, the Marlins, and the White Sox. Yeah, and here's another guy yeah. too. I, here's another guy too. I think the Tigers could probably put at second base if they don't feel comfortable. And maybe they, he goes and he's a, he's a shorter guy, but uh, Max uh, Sherrock, the Cardinals second baseman last the year. Cardinals, yeah. yeah. Um, that's a guy who I think the Tigers could possibly just, hey, you know what? Hey, screw it. We'll give you all that bats in the world, and go from there. Um, again, we also know that we also know the PCL, the batting stats a little elevated, but he did bat three forty four in double, or excuse me, he did bat um, three twenty one in the uh, in double A for Midland. So I mean, I don't know the Texas League in terms of well, the batting stats. Texas League is a good good hitting environment, but yeah, that's. Um... That's an interesting name. I, I he's a lefty too. He's he, a lefty bat. You know, in, in general, I look at uh, players from the Cardinals and go, "Huh, he'd probably eventually be a, re- a really good hitter somehow." Yeah, uh, 
But yeah, I, I don't know if let's see, I'm looking at his Yeah. Yeah, not a whole lot of power there. It's like a isolated power of under a hundred or about a hundred, but yeah, I, I just don't know if that Yeah, yeah, I mean they they need they're gonna need somebody to play second base probably other than maybe Goodrum. That's what I'm saying. Like if they're not gonna if they're gonna just go on the cheap on a second base, might as well get somebody at rule five who could just they could just plug in and, and they don't have to spend yeah. a lot of money for it. If the, if that's a route and that's kinda like what I was uh getting alluding to. Essentially if they're not gonna spend any money, might as well put somebody like that who could potentially do something like that and uh go from there. Yeah, yeah, I did there was a similar guy who who uh jumped out to me when I was looking at the list is Tyler Krieger, who was apparently I guess he was drafted as a shortstop out of Clemson, but blew out his shoulder and has kind of been a second baseman left fielder. I guess that maybe the arm never came back. But he's a guy who who hit okay last year with a tiny bit of pop and some speed. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they've scouted someone like him extensively. But we'll see. I, I think, you know, in the coming days, there'll be a, more, a better, better consensus of, of who the best players on Protected were. Generally, the best players are guys who are way too low in the minors like guys who are just an a ball um and so it's it's like super risky to try to take them because you know risky to to a certain degree because they're just not going to make it but uh yeah it'll be interesting to see what they do i uh, i'm not expecting anything super after last year <laughs> when uh i mean I, I will say this you know we all wanted them to take uh the birdie kid and he has not looked right at all since he came back from Tommy John surgery. So, yeah, who, who's, who knows? But uh, yeah, we were. I mean, we were talking about that. Um, we were talking about that. I remember that we were we were pretty sure about. We thought that he was going to go number one, and then we were too much surprised when we when Victor Reyes was announced. We said who, and so I don't. know. That's why I was some of these names. Some of these names I was kind of throwing obscure as possible. The one name I, there was a, there was a name that um, that is a shortstop too, the Daniel Brito from uh, Philly, too. I, I don't know why mm-hmm. I, him and uh, Jose Gomez. They, the, the Phillies have been having some really good luck producing some infield talent. So uh, that's another name out there. And then the other only one that I really wanted to kind of uh, there's a first baseman too because the Tigers. I know we've talked about this before, Chris. That first baseman. Or grown on or uh, grown on trees. You don't have to really worry about that. However, with Cabrera still kind of uh, coming back, they really don't have any. I mean, we 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 rarely, rarely, rarely talk about this position, but they don't really right now. Uh, they don't have a kind of a utility guy who could play first and third in terms of like on a regular basis. But a guy who hasn't hit very. well. I mean, he's been hitting. He's got. He's flown flash to power, but is kind of like almost projecting himself to be almost like Adam Dunn in some way, shape, or form is Jake Gatewood for the Brewers. Yeah, the Brewers. Yeah. Yeah, he's an interesting dude because I remember him. He won a high school home run derby, I think, as a shortstop. He was like 6'5", and then like he kept growing and got bigger, and he was a third baseman, and now, yeah, I think he's a first baseman. And that is – he's an interesting one because, like, nobody doubts – his power there's a lot of it there it's always been there um but as i recall there's a ton of swing and miss i'm looking now yeah 590 pounds he had uh he had had 100 not not, not so much yeah i mean the strikeout rate was down this year but he doesn't walk so that doesn't help 
Yeah, he struck out 114 but, uh, in uh, 352 plate appearances. Yeah, 19 homers, 28 walks, 114 strikeouts, 244 average. Um, like I said, I mean, that's you put a guy like that in the majors, you're asking for 200 strikeouts. You can play him <laughs> regularly. But if you are enamored of the power, and it's it's uh, it's there. So, I don't know. It will be kind of an interesting Rule 5 season just because the number of teams who are who are still rebuilding and, and some who are kind of still actively tanking. It'll be interesting to see who, who uh, gets taken. Yeah, I mean, you know, who knows? Tigers might go after Brian Hernandez, who hasn't even played yet, and that seems like the type of thing to do. They'll probably try to do the... Well, we think we're the smartest guys in the room in that, perhaps, with that. So, who knows? Oh, wait. You know, um, I just saw, it looks like Richie Martin wasn't added. Really? Shortstop from the, the A's. I did not. You know, he was. I overlooked that. He, uh, maybe, I had to check Twitter to see if that's true. But, yeah, he was, uh, is that true? He hit 300 last year. Yeah. While playing shortstop. Richie Martin's not, yeah, that's not protected. Yeah, wow. Um. Hey, there you go. Yeah, because I mean, he was—he was. We've—I know we've—we've uh, we've talked about him before. I don't. Um, when we were talking about the the, the who they get back in the um, uh, the trade for fires, I think you you mentioned this guy before. This guy sounds familiar. Yeah, well, he was—he was—he went to Florida. He was a big name coming out of the draft. So yeah, I mean, he—I wouldn't be shocked if he ends up going as one of the first couple players. Um, yeah, and maybe it's because I'm pretty sure that that I remember hearing his name when the Tigers were picking that year, uh, 2015, I guess. But uh, yeah, it kind of shocked me. That was just reading off his stats, it's three, hit 300, not a ton of power, 29 doubles though, eight triples, six homers, 44 walks to 86 strikeouts in 118 games, 25 steals. Like, you know, if he can play a legit shortstop, Tigers don't have a shortstop. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, but that's kind of a player that I would be a little bit shocked to see if, if he made it to the fifth pick. Although, who knows? Maybe other teams don't need shortstops. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. that's. I mean, hey, you know what? That would be – that'd be sweet. I honestly would um, – I, I mean, I'd love for something like that. You know, it's just something like this. The Tigers just need to be a little different with it. So – um, but yeah, let's move on to the. I want to get to the, the the Yankees making a trade, and the the thing about this, you know, this was the first uh, big trade of the off season so far. The off season's been relatively somewhat kind of uh, so far. I mean, it's it's November, so keep in mind that the winter meetings haven't been haven't started yet, what have you. But it's off to the same kind of quietness that we had last year. So we're looking at something along the lines of. Kind of like the Jeopardy music playing in the background a little bit with that. So, uh, the you know the Yankees are addressing their pitching needs, and then they went really aggressive and they went out and got James Paxton from from Seattle. And and the return on this Chris was a little over underwhelming. But then you kind of realize something that I saw on Twitter that was pointed out to me, and, and it made a lot of sense. And this is something that I think that for the Yankees to get what they gave up and Justice Shitter, uh, Sheffield who really hasn't kind of, I don't think really, I don't know if he's given anything, you know, sure the glimpses or, or a guy who's kind of become a second starter or what have you. But the, if you look at the trade on paper, you're like, okay, well, the Yankees really didn't give up much. And 
kind of rightfully so because Paxton really has not been a horse in terms of like a healthy horse, like a guy who has mm-hmm. stayed healthy consistently. I mean, you look at some of his his stats in terms of he's never pitched over what 160 innings, something like that. That sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's basically been the knock on him. Like he, he's been a really good pitcher when he's on the mound for the last three seasons. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking 121 innings, 136 and 160 last year. So th- that is the big risk, I think, with with trading for Paxton is that you're just not going to get a full season out of him or he's going to break down when you need him the most. But the Yankees are, you know, a pretty good track record with pitchers, uh, at least the guys they bring up through the minors, you know, suddenly start throwing harder and stuff. And they can get Paxton to start throwing harder. They'll be throwing like 103. But um, I really like the trade for them. Um, and, and it's this, one of those the sort of things we've talked about before about the current – Edition of the Yankees versus the Red Sox, and, and obviously the Red Sox had such a spectacular year, but they don't have a lot of wiggle room to continue to improve, and the Yankees do because they've had a far a, a far better farm system. Now it's been depleted a little bit, um, including with this trade. But uh, yeah, I mean they went out and so I thought they might try to go sign Patrick Corbin or something like that, but this is. This is better for them. Paxton is, is a more dominant pitcher than Corbin when he's pitching, and uh, they're paying him less. And they gave up, you know, Sheffield. I, I've never been a huge Sheffield fan. He's got all the pitches that they all flash plus. He just, I don't know, he throws quite enough strikes, and I'm not sure he's actually a starter. It's so, so it did seem, I mean, as the centerpiece of your deal, it did seem pretty light me for Seattle but I think given the moves that they've made like you might get the uh, idea that the Mariners are rebuilding and they traded Zanino and now Paxton but the guys they got in return from Zanino was uh, what Malik Smith is a, a big leaguer and with this you got Sheffield and the, the Swanson dude who I had never heard of uh, but actually sounds kind of interesting they're both basically major league ready so it, it sort of feels like the, the mariners were just you know gonna get rid of paxton no matter what and they wanted the best pitchers they could get who were close to the majors or major league ready rather than like the best prospects so it doesn't feel like a a full re- rebuild so much as it's like a continued retool which i don't think is the best way for them to go but uh, here we are yeah and the, and the thing is too with with that I mean in terms of what the Yankees were able to you were talking about trying to up the Red Sox what what the Red Sox gonna have to counter with and the Red Sox are gonna probably spend it because they don't really their system right now has been depleted because of the trades and what have you and I don't know how the Red Sox are drafting right now but Dabrowski's track record for draft picks you know here's the thing I mean it's for what it's worth for the last ten years with the Tigers the there is a couple or his time here with the Tigers there is some gems here and there that he polished up and was able to trade for for players. So who knows what he might do with that, And he, given the fact that I think that maybe Boston takes an off year to, uh, you know, compete, you know, in, in terms of staying in playoff contention, winning games, and, and then just coming short and close, or getting close but no cigar, evaluating what they have, and then make a trade next year for 2020. I mean, if, if, if you're going to look at it, I mean, that's kind of a really – uh, cynical, or really not even cynical, but just maybe a pessimistic point of view about it. However, 
really what else is there what they can do at the moment right now? I mean, unless they're going to get creative and but their offense is so good. It's like, well, I think they have enough firepower to stay in. Yeah, I mean, they should be pretty damn good next year. I think uh, who they're losing there. Well, they, they Kimbrel's a free agent, and Joe Kelly. I think they're free agents, so yeah. they a couple of pretty important pieces. Their bullpen there um, that they're gonna have to figure out. But beyond that, like you said, I think we talked about before, they just have everybody coming back. I think they even did they resign Steve Pierce. Yes, they did. So uh, one year deal, I believe yeah. it was. So all the all the big hitters from from the offense are coming back. So uh, it, it uh, they should be threatening a hundred wins again. So, but it just. Uh, I think this is it was a smart move for the Yankees to make. They needed to get a little bit better, and they could deal from uh, their strengths. And it's just like the Yankees have a ton of really interesting young prospects, like really young prospects. And and you would expect the Mariners to take some of them if they were trying to do a rebuild, but instead they go with the two like AAA guys. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Maybe Paxton blows out and uh, they win the deal by default. But uh, Remember the Yankees and uh, the Yankees and Mariners have traded before, before, and the Mariners got the rough end of the stick on that one too with the Michael Pineda Jesus Montero trade. Now Pineda blew out eventually too, but he actually performed somewhat for the Yankees, and uh, Montero never did a damn thing. Speaking of and speaking of the Mariners, real quick, and before we get out of here, I wanted to talk about this real quick because uh, this happened. While we were taking a little of a break, the Mariners fired uh, Loretta Martin, and um, it was something that came up. And I remember you posting; I think it was in our Twitter group about it. And uh, not, and, there, and this also comes back to that there was three women who accused Mariners executives of inappropriate workplace, which happened earlier in the summer. But Martin's case is a little bit. Um, she was the director of high performance. And she accused the player, or she accused management of being racist, racist towards Latino staff and players. And there was this, and the, the, of course, there's denial about it. But her Instagram, and a lot of people already came out and tried to uh, dismiss her. And she was responsible for all aspects of the Mariners' physical, and mental training approach to players and staff uh, that went across the minor leagues and what have you. Um, in terms of even me- medical strength. And conditioning, so it was interesting. And I'm not, you know, there's all it's ac, you know accusations, what what have you, right now. But um, so I guess she was saying that uh, D. Petro, uh, D. Petro said, you know what? Quote, you're a cocky Latina. And I guess there's some conversations that she was she was dis- uh, disclosing, what have you, and so. Um, but either way, yeah, it was it was interesting. Yeah, that. It, it, it was ugly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the comments about Dominicans and stuff like that. It was, uh, it's not so nice. Um, I, not to redirect back to the rule five, but I just saw yeah. that. I don't, I don't know if this was just posted or what, but, uh, I saw a link for it. Baseball America have the, the top five names Ooh. to know, uh, people who could get picked. Go for it. And number one, Richie Martin. There we go. Ooh. So, so Martin has long faced questions about his bat, but he's a true shortstop with the least above average range and a plus arm. His third stint at Double A Midland, so three times in Double A, not great. But uh, he hit three hundred two, three seventy, four forty two as a shortstop, with some success hitting in Double A. 
he immediately becomes a very interesting Rule 5 candidate. Um, yeah, and the other other four guys are Ray Patrick Ditter, a shortstop outfielder with the Braves, Keon Wong, second baseman for the Rays, Max Schruck, who you brought up, and Riley Farrell, who I brought up. So good good on us. Yeah, I'll give myself a Barry Horvitz pat on the back there for we that. Got, yeah, we got 60% of uh, Baseball America's top five guys. Yeah, without so. even without doing any, like, without just, just announcing it just now. So, you know yeah. what? I can see the, Ro- the Royals could probably make a play for Martin. I mean, right now, uh, who, no, 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 no. They have, I mean, they have a shortstop. They have, um, who came on for them last year? Uh, Modesty. Modesty, yeah. So Modesty's there. So then. Yeah, I'm trying to think in, like, uh, the Orioles, it would make sense for them. Yeah. But they don't, uh, but then again, they lot, don't. Kind of a lot of sense. Yeah, but then again, they, sometimes they don't do things that make sense. We were hoping that the, the I'm, I'm hoping that the Mariners do, or excuse me, the Orioles are practicing their old ways and do not pick up on that. But we'll see. Yeah. yeah. It'll be interesting. We got about uh, I don't know, three four weeks till the Rule Five. I don't remember when the winter meetings are. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's like the second week of December. I think it's before Christmas. I know yeah. that. So, uh, hopefully the Tigers have made some sort of progress by then. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I always like I, I, now that the Tigers are going to be involved in the Rule Five more. Apparently, that's just right now. I there's no free agent activity. There's there's really it's just it's radio silence at the moment, and. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't. You know, nothing gets more coverage and means less than the Rule Five draft, and yet I'm still fascinated by it because I think it's because every now and then somebody pops up and, and you get super lucky, and it's just like, uh, like, oh man, got somebody basically for free, and I got an Odubel Herrera. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a solid player for free, uh, not free. You know, like fifty grand or whatever. But uh, yeah, there's something something fun about that. It, it's it's like a weird quirk. Of baseball and it's like the rule five draft is super old it's like it was way before it was 1892 the, the, yeah way before the so-called rule four draft that nobody calls i think which is the you know the because yeah the, the mlb draft didn't start until like the 60s yeah i believe it was so, 60, I think, 64 I think, or 63 yeah the rule five that. was was like this you have to go this is back when teams basically just own players for life i think and so they came up with some way for for guys to make a living, but uh, there was something to do with so the players, so the teams could some sort of a competitive, uh, competitive balance, right? I mean, in terms of that's the way I looked at it. Like in terms of these teams wouldn't be hoarding all their players. Like, can you imagine if the Yankees kept like ha- I mean, in terms of murders row? I mean, they they re like find it over and over again too. I know they made changes to it too. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure it's different now than it was in the 1800s or whatever. But uh, it's an interesting sort of one of those weird vestigial aspects of baseball that hang on like the drop third strike oh yeah and the name shortstop <laughs> yeah they're, they're... i remember reading i i don't know if this was true but i the name i think shortstops at least the one thing i read was that uh way back in the day when baseballs were like you know a sack of misshapen lead guys rarely hit it out of the infield uh as it were and so there was a fielder whose job was to get Balls that were hit very short. <laughs> that's where the name shortstop came from. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, it works for me. No, it makes sense to me. I mean, considering until what, 1921, 1922, when they changed baseballs during the dead ball era, it makes, makes sense to me. So, I mean, Burkle's Boner and, or Merkel's, yeah, Merkel's it, Boner. Yeah. Merkel's Boner, all that yeah, stuff. How many, how many other sports have a famous blooper that's known as a boner? <laughs> 
what I want to know. You know what, Chris? None. There we go. Baseball. That's it. So uh, we're out of time. Thank you so much for listening to Tigers SRD here on SportsRadioDetroit.com. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to everybody who's listening. The after and uh, enjoy your enjoy the lions and bears. I guess. Um, real quick, I wanted to end the podcast with this very simple thing that I, I always find amusing right now, and that is that the lion the lions right now have been struggling. They won against the Panthers. They're four and six. Uh, then I saw the attendance numbers for the Tigers and TV ratings drop, and the Lions are all up. And I don't, I, I'm miffed by Lions fans or Tigers fans who are in these chat rooms bitching about the team, complaining. Because I've been one of these rooms, and I've, I've quietly observed some of the Tiger fans, and I chuckle a little bit because they're complaining about the Tigers, and yet here we are in the one of the, the glory, one of the most. I understand. I mean, Mark, Mark will laugh about you know the, the way they're doing things now. I understand that David putting David. Chad in the closet, all that, yada, yada. I get it. But Lions fans come back for this every single time. It never, it blows my mind that the Lions can do no fucking wrong, but the Tigers struggle and it's like, oh, yep, I'll see you guys later. What the fuck? I don't, I, I, I don't get it, man. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, I think part of that is just uh, the nature, the popularity of football and baseball. Um, now we've talked before about how baseballs when when Tigers are going good, fans are you know packing the stadium and they're great. It's uh, but you know when you play eighty one games at home compared to eight, there's generally going to be a difference in attendance. You know, football games feel like more special events, I think, than baseball games to a lot of people. Uh, but I agree with you. Like, you know, a lot of people say they're Lions free, but like, I. <laughs> I just gave up on the NFL altogether. I was like, I don't care. I don't like this league. Um, and I, I'm fine. Like, I haven't missed. I quit fantasy football. I quit watching the NFL, and I don't miss it one bit. Yeah. Well, um, I'm not telling anybody how to be a fan. You can do whatever you want. Football, but, but it's like, yeah, I, I don't get how anybody ever convinces themselves that, like, maybe this is the year for the Lions. It's just one of the worst franchises in sports. I mean, it's uh, like there's – you don't – not do anything well for 60 years by accident there's <laughs> we, we talk all the time here about like the Mets and the Marlins it, and what do they say the fish rots from the head down yeah yeah and I don't you know don't mean to speak ill of Mrs. Ford or whatever but I think uh it's a been a, a terribly run organization for a long time and probably a lot of the people involved are still there. Yeah, you know what, Chris, I'm so sick and tired of like Lions fans saying, Oh, you're not you're just give me a fair weather fan, join the bank enough. And stop. Okay? I, I, I hate when Lions fans attack other people on Twitter for it. It's ridiculous. It's stupid. And it's just this I don't know, it's a narrative that I, I get annoyed as I mean, watching a bunch of baseball as I do and then seeing the gradual just decline of this team that was coming in and then just maybe if people are mad that they didn't win a world series fine okay that's fair and i understand and but again i'm also not gonna tell you how to be a fan you can do whatever you want to do that's fine i just i always find the double standard with tiger lions fans that crack me up they go to the field every time and football is one of those things that it's so weird i didn't watch that game yesterday the 50 point game i didn't watch it i was too busy yeah, i didn't know anything about it i heard it was amazing yeah i, didn't, I found out from my my coworker. Yeah, and I, I heard about it on Twitter, but I didn't watch a single minute. Why? I just, I've been watching more football as a whole, college football, NFL. I've been watching a lot more. But last night, I was just like, all right, well, I have a bunch of stuff I got to do for today, and that was it, and that was my singular focus. And, you know, again, you can do whatever you want to do. You could be a Lions fan. You could be 
a Conalita, uh, Conalita Rice fan about her being the coach of the Browns. I don't care what you want to do. <laughs> that's that's so weird. Uh, you can do whatever you want to do. It's just I just sometimes the double standard with Lion Tiger fans is uh, hysterical. So, but uh, that being said, again, happy Thanksgiving. Whatever you decide to do, do it well. Have fun. Be safe. And uh, ne- yeah, well, next week we'll have Ashley McClellan from Bless You Boys on with us next week for sure. And uh, we'll uh, yeah. Uh, go blue, by the way. They uh, play Ohio State on Saturday, and uh, I'm you and I have our superstitions about that, and we'll talk about that. Well, actually, we'll talk about that next week, depending on how the outcome is. So let's not talk about it anymore. Yeah, <laughs> if I'm still alive, <laughs> might kill me. All right, we'll see you next week.